0: that's UNIFYDHEALING.com/slash slash wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
2: Blue wire. It's exciting to win money.
0: Back out to Allen,
2: History 3 bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining! Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really.
1: Gambling God, Fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Oh, Gambling's not your problem.
2: You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries pod. I'm your co-host Cody Dark, joined out in Chicago by my brother Tyler Dark. Tyler, you playing tonight
1: injured? Playing a little hurt. Um, fun weekend in Austin with friends, but I'll power through what's really keeping me going tonight is that i'm up this week first time in the nfl season so that's a great feeling that must be nice um i am down
2: slightly but within reach not nothing crazy um i just hope i don't get asked to Vemo you for for the week that's a real punch in the gut
1: that, that would be tough for you but yeah it feels good uh you know we talked to russia shana this week jewish new year so i could feel my luck already changing
2: yeah, new year, new you. Um, we we always start Sunday. Sunday scariest moment. I'll let you go first since you are up. So my
1: Sunday's a little bit scarier. So I'll let you you go first. I think. Thanks. My Sunday scariest <laughs> moment goes out to a you know a coach who is definitely on a hot seat. It's getting hotter by the week. Dan Quinn. Um, the Falcons lost t- again today. 53 to 32 versus the Texans got absolutely embarrassed dominated Texans had nearly 600 yards of total offense now Arthur Blank did come out and says he still has confidence in Quinn he believes in him but I don't know how many more times you'll hear that from Arthur Blank as the season goes on if this continues it's it's you know midnight is getting close for Dan Quinn you know it's bad when
2: that question has to be answered by the owner after week five the Falcons really are lucky that they're not 0-5. I think that buys Dan Quinn some additional time. If he had a goose egg up there, it'd be brutal. The thing that's like so annoying about the Falcons to me, you look at their numbers, Like Matt, Matt Ryan still had like a good fantasy football day. I think that's why everyone's like, oh, the Falcons are kind of good this year. Just because everyone has their players for fantasy football. But year after year, past couple, it's just been disappointing. I think we both thought there might be a little bit of a bounce back angle there, but
1: they're just falling fast. That defense is is brutal. The defense is brutal, and the thing is Dan Quinn is a defensive guy with Seattle before coming to the Falcons. And going into this year, they fired the defensive coordinator. Dan Quinn took over play calling, and they've only gotten worse uh, from last year. So not a good sign for Dan Quinn when you're taking ownership like that and it's not working for you. You're not going to buy yourself a lot of time. And like you said, people have Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, in fantasy, and you know, they put up good numbers, but if you're watching the games, they don't play well throughout the game. It's they got down huge today, and we're scoring garbage time. Matt Ryan is one of the kings of that. Um, so the stats are deceiving, like you said, and they're not playing as well as the final box score may read. So Dan Quinn must be a scary night for, for him. And I agree with you if they were and 5, which is very possible that way, that Eagles game went, uh, he I think he would have been fired already. And, Outside that Eagles game, it seems like every game they've played in has like not been close. Eh, the Colts game ended up close, but they're getting crushed for a while. I,
2: the thing is, the defense is just so pathetic. Like you said, Dan Quinn's supposed to be a defensive guy. If he's not getting the job done on that side of the ball, I don't know, at this point, I think it's... A matter of uh, when not if i i don't see them riding the ship and that division is tough um boxer have been sneaky better than we kind of anticipated and the panthers just keep winning with kyle allen but on the texan side of the ball like this was the deshaun watson performance that i think we were like it was only a matter of time i think he was going to put it together deontre hopkins Five touchdowns and DeAndre Hopkins didn't get one. I'm only a little bitter about that uh, on the fantasy football aspect, but nobody cares about that. Wolf Fuller had a massive day, and I am just happy that I didn't bet on this game because I woke up this morning and I was like, there's no way the Texans lose this game after what happened last week versus the Panthers. But I'm, I'm, pr- I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one.
1: Yeah, you're maturing. This was a stay away. Both teams, you just never they're Jekyll and Hyde. You never know what you're getting with them. But like you said, Deshaun Watson played unbelievable today. And this felt like an MVP type game, I think, along with Mahomes and Russell Wilson. He's right there. He's unbelievable. And Wolf Fuller finally had the breakout fantasy game that I was hoping for. Being in three leagues, you kind of lose track of who's on whose team. Uh, which team but I, I started him in one league and that paid out great um so awesome thank you awesome game awesome game for him uh texans i mean texans you don't know what you're getting with them each week they score 10 points and they score 53 so they're all over the map but, but yeah rough rough week for dan quinn and the falcons what's your uh, sunday scariest moment so my Sunday scariest moment
2: is is what I imagine Luke Falk's body feels like right now, starting quarterback of the New York Jets. And Tyler, we'll, we'll talk about it. But I was at the Giants game today versus the Vikings, so I didn't watch any of that game. I just kind of was tracking things on my phone, saw some highlights, saw, like, to me, it was a ho-hum victory in terms of the Eagles winning 31-6 and got back, and I was checking um, my fantasy football teams and in our, our league, I picked up the Eagles defense cause they were going against the jets and I saw 48 points and I was like, wait, no way. How's that, how's that possible? There's no way Luke Falk got sacked 10 times today. Uh, he had, and they had two defensive touchdowns, one fumble, one pick six. Um, if you're Sam Darnold, are you going to just continue, even if you're starting to feel better with the mono, do you just like really try and ride that out as long as you can? Because 10 sacks is a joke. Like, that is awful. So well, that, yeah. Thoughts and prayers to Luke Falk's <laughs> body. That's that's my Sunday scariest moment, just putting myself in his shoes. Definitely. I
1: hope he's taking a nice ice, ice bath, recovering, and he's probably praying that Darnold will, will come back sooner than later, but... Ten sacks is insane for like an NFL team to give up. Eagles had two defensive touchdowns. They absolutely feasted. And like coming to the year, the Jets were supposed to be a good team. I know Darnold, <laughs> like Darnold is sick, but they, they 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 went from you know like a potential wild card team, which some people were saying, to like one of the worst teams in the league. Like how does how does it change that much? Darnold has Luke potential. Luke really bad. That's yeah. that's how he's really bad. He is, and I think Darnold will be decent, but he's still like you, you know a young player. It's not like he was playing great before he went out, so it's like the drop off is that steep. I don't know, but ten sacks is terrible. Um, yeah, rough,
2: rough day for him. Yeah, rough day. And and that line for some reason never spoke to me, but hindsight 2020 Monday morning quarterbacking it. Eagles minus 13 and a half at home off. Well, with like a long week of rest that feels obvious looking back on it now but hey here we are
1: yeah it it did seem easy right. once a
2: game. yeah as soon as the game started I was like how are the Jets gonna score um but yeah that's that's that can't win them all in terms of that stuff but yeah Tyler why don't we get started I know we need to talk about this Rams Seahawks game which we will briefly but Since I went to the Giants-Vikings game, about three weeks ago, I was like, well, this game's going to be terrible. But Daniel Jones injected some life into the Giants, and I'm sure ticket prices, saying to our dad, like probably were 3x what they were after the Giants lost week two. Um, I I included the Vikings in a teaser. I bet on Kirk Cousins over one and a half touchdowns because if he couldn't do it this week with... All the criticism, Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, all the drama against this garbage giant secondary. I was like, there's just he's over. Like it may be dumb. Like they may need to start looking into other options. Um, but the Vikings got got the job done, 28 to 10. My boy, he's not really my boy, but like at this point, I'm on Take Island over here. He went 22 of 27, 306 yards, two touchdowns, moving moving the ball all over anywhere he wanted um dalvin cook over 200 total yards adam Thielen 130 two touchdowns now tyler my question for you is i tweeted this out do the vikings need to pay for me to go to all their games now at this point um like
1: i think i think i think i may have saved kirk cousins career today it could be the case you know, it happened to fall on a week where they play a bad team and a bad defense. If it happened when they played a good team, then yeah, I'd say there's probably some validity to that. It it's comparable to you know when we played high school baseball or sports growing up, and you see your parents in the stands. It's a nice feeling to have that support. So he was probably looking <laughs> in the he was looking in the stands at a you know a raucous MetLife Stadium, and he saw you, and he just felt his heart got a little warmer, and he had that confidence, but. <laughs> this this was this was the game we <laughs> it was i was
2: a very common presence i did see him motion over to me and... I couldn't tell if he was blowing me a kiss or hot routing, but yeah, something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is what Kirk Cousins does, right? He plays well versus lower-tier teams and puts up the stats and the numbers that make you think he could be a franchise quarterback. Thielen played well, got him involved. Alvin Cook continues to be a beast, so the Vikings do have talent. It's a matter of putting it together when... You know, it counts versus the better teams in their division and in the NFC. So we'll see a very weird week for them. Like Stefan Diggs just not practicing because he hates the quarterback, <laughs> essentially. And after the game, they he like shrugged it off as it was nothing. They said there's no internal strife. I still don't believe that. Um, there's definitely some issue going on in that locker room with Kirk for Cousins.
2: Sure. It's just this, this week went well. Yeah, it went well. The Giants' defense is atrocious. But the thing I do want to talk about is this Vikings' defense is legit. I know Wayne Gallman went out with a concussion early in the game. No Saquon for the Giants. But the Vikings' defense flies around. like They're good enough to keep this team in the hunt in the NFC. Um, if Kirk Cousins can literally just be, I'm going to say, a worse version of Alex Smith. Um, so I, I don't think that's asking too much out of a $25 million a year man. But um, Daniel Jones in person, I will say this: Danny Dimes was dropping some dimes. The issue was the the Giants' wide receivers can't catch. Like Sterling Shepard dropped a couple balls. Um, Evan Ingram had a couple of big drops. So people were excited. They they really love screaming his name. Um, but I I just don't think the Giants have the weapons. They they desperately
1: need Saquon back. It would probably be nice if they had a receiver like Odell Beckham who could uh you know make plays and. You know, add that explosive <laughs> element to the offense. Um, maybe they could, could call the Browns and work out a deal uh, to get a guy like that. But yeah, Daniel Jones has brought some excitement. Saquon Barkley is going to be back sooner than they thought from that injury, which is insane. He's not a human. Um, no. But let, let's move off this game. I'm I'm pretty done talking about it. Let's go back to the Thursday. Okay. Night. <laughs> let's go back <laughs> to the Thursday night game. Seahawks Rams. Um, this was a devastating beat, Cody. So bad. I mean, some people got in,
2: like Adam told me got in at Seahawks minus one. We were on minus one and a half <clears throat> and this, this felt like a playoff game to me on um, Thursday night football, which is it's pretty rare. I'll say Seattle 130, 29, DK Metcalf just I mean, you texted me, I think it was late in the third quarter, Seattle's gonna win by one. Um and you spoke it into into uh reality because Russell Wilson is so good and it's so annoying, but he's incredible. Like he his his touchdown pass to Lockett earlier in the game where he's rolling out and it just vintage Russell Wilson where you think he's just kind of throwing it away and he finds Tyler Lockett. Um, DK Metcalf killed us. I mean, they go up. They scored a touchdown to go up one. So now all of America who has bet on Seattle is basically waiting on this fateful two point conversion. DK Metcalf drops one that's right in his breadbasket. Ultimately, it it all relies on Greg Zerline missing that field goal. But tough B for us. Um, but again, Russell, so we spoke about it last week. Like Russell Wilson is putting together an MVP uh, resume, and if Mahomes stumbles at all, which I don't know that that's possible, um, he may be, he may find himself in the driver's seat here. But Tyler, what what were your thoughts?
1: I know this was this is a bad beat for the both of us. He's so good, Russell Wilson. I can't stand him being a 49ers fan, but you just have to respect how great he is. And, you know, Doug Baldwin retires. It feels like their receiving core isn't as great as it's been. And it's never really been that great, to be honest. He makes these guys better than they are. Will Disley was really, you know, not a household name. He's had a really good year. Tyler Lockett's having a good year. Metcalf, um, who people had some questions about coming into the NFL. He looks like he's going to be a good receiver, so... Russell Wilson's incredible. This, like like you said, was a vintage game where he's just carrying them, and he's getting himself into that MVP conversation. I know Mahomes' numbers are crazy, but there's also an aspect to, like, Wilson's value on the Seahawks is, you know, you can't put a price on it. He's that team. He's the heart of the team. And also, he hasn't won it before. It feels like that always plays a factor, too. So mm-hmm. I, I think... I think, you know, you got to check the MVP odds. And if you could get some good value on Wilson with Mahomes still, you know, in the lead, I think that's a bet worth making. But pretty insane for the Rams to drop two in a row. Like, they're three and two. And, you know, Goff has struggled. He had some up and downs in this game. But it felt like on that drive, like, they just went right down the field. And Zerline's one of the best kickers in the NFL it felt like a game they were about to steal, and you're going to be like, how did that happen? Especially when Seattle got the pick at the end of the game, it felt like it was over, but, you know, Zerline just missed it, and now the Rams sit at 3-2. and two. It was, you know, pretty shocking. Yeah, Jerkoff definitely showed me
2: something, though, in the fourth quarter. Like, that last drive, he was, it was really impressive, some of the balls he's thrown out there. Him and Cooper Cup, that's, that feels like the early stages of, like, as a 49er fan, like they're going to be haunting our dreams for a while, those two. Cooper Cup's leading the NFL in receiving yards, I'm pretty sure, um, at this point through five weeks. He had over 100 yards again. But the thing for the Rams, uh, the, the whole script and the story changes if Zerline just hits a field goal, but they're throwing the ball a lot. I th- remember last week versus the Bucks, it was kind of a catch up game, but they threw the ball was it 58 times or 68 times, something insane? And this week, Goff throws 49 attempts again. Like, in a game that's a one score game for most of it, that's a lot. To me, the Rams, uh, Gurley's got to start getting more touches or someone does. Like, to me, the when the Rams were at their best last year, they're obviously feeding him the rock, but there were – Basically, a running game that was setting up the pass. It feels like if if they want to get back to who they were last year and rolling people, uh, it feels like they got to get back to that.
1: I agree. They need they need to give Gurley or Malcolm Brown or you know Daryl Henderson. They spent a pretty high draft pick on him. It's like and he's barely played this season. So I don't understand the thinking there. It has to be more balanced. Goff, like you said, did show something, um, you know, on the road in Seattle with that last drive. But there needs more balance. In the offense, I think their offensive line has taken a step back than what it's been the last couple of years. They lost Roger Saffold in the offseason. I think they have some injuries as well. So that might be the case where they're just not as confident in the offensive line. I mean, you look at the box score. The Rams threw the ball 49 times, Seattle 23, Seattle ran the ball 43 times, the Rams ran at 18, so that type of disparity, I don't think the Rams are going to win a lot of games, um, you know, being that relying on Goff in the passing game, so they're going to have to find some balance, Sean McVay's a good coach, he'll figure it out, but the last couple of weeks, I haven't loved their game plan. No, no, definitely not, so. Hopefully, if you're if you
2: were a Seattle moneyline better, you you come back to life there. And if if you had the Rams plus one and a half, like an all-time, just a roller coaster game for anyone who had any kind of action on it. The over hit as I was watching, like as we we talked about how we both liked the over, we just should have probably bet on that. Um, but yeah, so the Rams are three and two, and Tyler, you know who's also three and two, and quite unlikely, I was on there under before the year, the Oakland Raiders, uh, they, they win in London. I don't know why this game started at one o'clock to me. The best part of the London games are that you wake up and football's on at like nine 30, 10 in the morning. Um, but they, they just slotted this game with the nine others at 10 or at one o'clock. Sorry. Um, they find themselves three and two your, your bears and
1: Trubisky was out. Did they, do you think they missed him? I wouldn't I don't know when they became my bears. Um but mm. I don't I don't think they missed him. Chase Daniel did have an awful interception at the end of the game, but I don't think there's any drop off when you go from Trubisky to Daniel. It might be even a slight upgrade. But yeah, shocking that the Raiders are three and two. You know, everyone was so critical of John Gruden through his first year and the whole Antonio Brown drama that played out. I mean, they're they're a pretty good team. Um, they, they look competent. Josh Jacobs has been a really good pick. The defense isn't terrible. Um, you know, in this game, they were up 17 nothing at halftime. And then the Bears, you know, fought back, went up 21-17 going to fourth. And it felt like a game that the Raiders were just going to collapse and, you know, do classic Raider things. But they fought back and had a 97-yard drive to win the game on that Bears defense. is super impressive. So that really showed me something. And maybe John Gruden actually knows what he's doing.
2: Yeah, I, I do not have a feel on that team at all. Um, I did not see much of it since I was busy uh, being Kirk Cousins' emotional support during 1 o'clock games, but I was shocked. Raiders were four-and-a-half-point dogs in London. To me, this they're flying all the way from the West Coast. Like This just felt like a game that the Bears win and take care of business if they are going to be a playoff team. Um But I don't I don't know. I mean, I I think it's I I'm still on the in the pretender camp when it comes to Oakland Raiders. But back to back week weeks, they beat the Colts and now the Bears. That's pretty impressive. Both both on the road. Well, I guess technically this was their
1: home game, but. No, it, it it's definitely impressive, and this is a really bad loss for the Bears. Because you look at their schedule after the bye week, they play home versus Saints, home versus Chargers, at Philadelphia, home Detroit, at the Rams. That's a really tough stretch versus playoff quality teams. So you can't just be giving away games in the NFC. There's so many quality teams in the conference. Like you can't be giving away games. You should win. So, like, if you're a Bears fan, are you like? crossing your fingers for Trubisky to come back. Like I think Trubisky's ceiling is probably higher than Chase Daniel, but Trubisky's floor is, you know, one of the worst QBs in the league. So I don't even think it matters. It's disappointing that the defense gave up that game winning drive, but they also got them back in the game. I just think offensively the Bears are in a conundrum where they just they, they can't rely on the offense. They need the defense to make you know massive plays, turnovers, make plays in special teams and it's not sustainable. No, no, they they need. They're asking so much from
2: their defense every single week. So I don't know if they can get Trubisky back and healthy and take advantage of some of their weapons on offense. But I don't know. The more the more I watch that team as time goes on, like is Allen Robinson
1: that good? I don't. I don't think so. Well, Allen Robinson actually had a really good game today. Um, but I think that just the quarterback plays awful, and Matt Nagy, I'm just not as high on as I was last year, he came from Andy Reid, And I, I I do think a lot of it is the, the quarterback play that they're very limited, but also like if you're this great offense of mine, I, I just feel like there should be a little more explosion in the offense. So I don't know about that. And one last thing on this game that I shouldn't, I should have seen as a sign not to uh, bet on the bears. The bears flew out for this game on Friday to go to London. The Raiders were there all week adjusting to the time difference, practicing, being comfortable there. And the Bears flew out Friday to London. That that poor, just should have pl- been a rough poor play. planning. <laughs>
2: poor planning.
1: That's yeah. uh what if they have any kind of delay or issue? Yeah, that just seems like way too quick of a turnaround to, you know, travel abroad and in such, like, a different environment where you're used to, and it showed. They came out super sluggish in this game, and they got down 17 There They were able to come back, but obviously you're not going to win a ton of games when you get into that type of hole. And John Gruden, the Raiders played in London last year, and they did a similar thing what the Bears did, and he adjusted. They flew out earlier, and he, they made a note that made a huge difference. So, I don't know. That's a pretty weird move by the Bears, but Let's move on to one more game before we take a break. The Packers-Cowboys, we were on diff- differing sides of this. I was right. You were wrong. Uh, mm. pa- Packers won 34-24. Mm. Pretty, pr- pretty strange game. What were
2: your uh, takeaways? Well, before we dive into this one, because, of course, we have to talk about this game. It's was the marquee marquee game of the day. Um, we were also on opposing sides of saints Bucks. And yours truly was correct on that one. So I just want to give our listeners all the facts. Um, My thoughts on this game. Aaron Jones, Matt LeFleur, like, thank you. Last year, watching this team play, Mike McCarthy, towards the end of the year, they would start giving Aaron Jones the ball. um, And he had great numbers. And uh, his yard per carry was awesome last year. And he, he he had the game of his life today. 19 carries, 107 yards, four touchdowns adding 75 yards of receiving as well. Uh, so they kind of put it together. And I mean, they punched the Cowboys in the mouth pretty early and repeatedly. And then this sneaky became a game. Um, it was weird as back and forth. These two teams, like we spoke about it on, on the pick pod. They're always in these like weird games. They play each other all the time. Um, I, the Cowboys, I was I was a believer when they were three and zero. I still am, um, but I think the Packers are the class of the NFC. Like this team is good. Their defense looks legit too. Holding this twenty four number in Dallas is is actually a little bit deceiving to me. A lot of these points came late. Um, what what do you think here?
1: Yeah, it was definitely a weird game. Like the Packers jumped out to a huge lead. We're up twenty eight, and the Cowboys are like kind of hanging around making it a game uh, obviously didn't end up happening. But, yeah, I don't, the Packers' defense still does concern me a little bit from the run defense standpoint. They got up so big in this game that Dallas just had to go away from the rushing attack. It's still not great, but, yeah, they're super talented. The acquisitions they made in the offseason, the draft picks have paid off. Um, so great win by them. Aaron Rodgers continues to... To have great success versus the Cowboys in that stadium. It's where he won the Super Bowl. So feels like he has a little ownage on that stadium. And Dak Prescott through three picks, It felt like through three weeks he was gonna get the massive deal he wanted. I still think he's going to get paid. But games like this maybe remind you a little bit that he's not, you know, a top five, top ten type quarterback, but yeah, it's it's like quick how how quick everything changes. The Eagles were one and two going into that Thursday night game a week and a half ago. The Cowboys are three and zero, oh, and now ten days later, they're both three and two, tied for first.
2: Yeah, it's the NFC in particular is incredibly stacked. I'm just gonna rattle off these teams right now. So the Eagles and Cowboys are both three and two. We got the Packers at four and one. The, line, the Lions the are two one and one. Bears and Vikings both 3-2, and two. Saints 4-1, and one. Panthers now also 3-2, and two. and then in the NFC West, you have the 49ers undefeated going into tomorrow night, Seattle's 4-1, and one, and the Rams are 3-2. and two. That's 3-5-9-11, 11 teams that are above 500 at this point, and like feels like most of those teams are going to be around
1: and, and not, not dropping off anytime soon. Definitely. I mean, all those teams you mentioned, I mean, I guess the Panthers with the quarterback situation with Kyle Allen, he's been playing well, um, but we'll see what happens if Cam is able to come back. But a lot of great quarterback play in the NFC. And I agree. I don't think any of those teams are falling off. Someone will have to, but all those teams are going to remain competitive. So it's going to be a bloodbath. And like I said, with, you know, the Bears, you can't afford to lose games, your favorite and and should win when, the NFC is so loaded so every game it feels like every week it feels like we're gonna have these type of games that are so important and something else I want to note about this Packers Cowboys game the officiating was horrible it felt like so many times there were long stoppages them discussing it the roughing the passer on Dak at the end of the game was atrocious Jason Jason Garrett slamming down the challenge flag and screaming Jason Garrett who never shows any emotion just collapsed yeah. on the sideline got like a you know personal foul penalty for yelling at the ref like that's how bad it was J- just seems like the officiating in general has been pretty horrible this year the new challenge rule with the
2: pass interference is terrible there just has to be a better way like let's speed this up the nfl obviously has so many people watching all of these games when it comes to the league office the review process just needs to be faster there just needs to be three people in the booth watching every play. And, like, I want it a minute and done. If it takes more than that, just keep the call on the field. Like, I just – it's it's way too much. It slows everything down. And the, what the teams are doing, it's like, why wouldn't you just challenge a couple pass interference calls, throw them out there, and, like, you have, you have nothing to lose. It's, It slows down the play. Um,
1: it's, it's terrible because – no nothing's
2: big, nothing's
1: getting overturned either yeah that's and, that's the that's the biggest issue with it with reviews i forget what game it was oh the packers eagles game last week when Matt LaFleur challenged the interference i think everyone watching that game probably would have said that was pass interference it wasn't called on the field he challenges it they don't overturn it it just doesn't feel like there's any set standards on what pass interference is. So now when you're adding an element of the challenges and basically nothing's getting overturned, it just throws the whole rule into question. It was a really bad decision. I wonder if they'll, you get rid of it after this year. It seems like it might go that way, but it's been terrible. And I think just the officiating in general is just like this, what happened the Saints-Rams game has like made officials so like paranoid to make any type of mistake. Right. I think that is the other effect that officials just become more gun shy
2: to throwing past interference penalties over fear of getting essentially exposed via the review process. So I don't I don't think anyone wins with these new rules and yes, Satan Swan, that that was a terrible loss and we were with you there. Um as, as gamblers betting on that one, but it, I don't know. There's, there's got to be a b- better way to do this, but let's take a quick break, have a couple words from our sponsors, and then uh, have a little Lock of the Week recap and Grandpa Billy's Bum of the Week. There are countless ways to keep up on what's happening in the world of sports, but how are you supposed to read every great article? How are you supposed to watch every awesome highlight without losing time in your busy day? Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. Now coming to the stage axios sports axios sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox each morning you'll see the best stories from around the sports world from the nba and nfl to niche sports like cricket and ping pong love ping pong the email newsletter highlights the most important stats and trends giving you the ability to stay informed it's super simple to sign up sports.axios.com axios sports is clean crisp and gives you everything you need to know read it in five minutes in the elevator, or discover a deep dive article while you're on the train to work. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the cool person sharing an amazing link with your friends and coworkers. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Do yourself a time and favor, sign up for the sports, Axios Sports Newsletter for free at sports.axios.com. Seriously, I subscribe to it and it makes me feel more informed without spending time clicking through websites, apps, and social media platforms. Again, try it for free, 99 at sports.axios.com. A few of us on the show use Harry's razors. If you visit their website, you can check out all different shave sets and face care products. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's claim your special offer by going to harrys.com backslash blue wire. Why try Harry's? Harry's founders were two regular guys tired of getting ripped off and paying for overpriced razors. Harry's makes quality durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 per blade. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund this summer. Refresh your wallet and your face with the Harry's trial set. It comes with weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave, rich lathering shave gel gel that will leave you smelling great, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Listeners of our show can redeem their trial set at harrys.com backslash bluewire. Make sure you go to harrys.com backslash bluewire to redeem your offer and let them know I sent you to help support the show.
1: All right, Cody, let's move on to our lock of the week recap. We were on both on the Patriots this week, minus 16, our second joint lock of the week for the year. It hit again. Um, It feels good to win locks of the week. It feels really
2: good. It feels really nice being four and one on the locks of the week. The most uh, public pick we give out. The thing that if the record's bad, as, as you can speak to Tyler from your experience last year um, it it's hard it's 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 aware even last week when I lost with the Texans it's it's a real bummer um, there's a little bit of controversy about what the number was we got the Patriots at this morning when I was half asleep I tweeted out uh, minus 15 since that's what I actually bet them at uh, but the the line we gave out via my bookie was minus 16 so thank you for that and um i'm not gonna lie i i saw highlights from this one um and, like, my in game experience while at the Giants game, I see the Redskins go up, and I'm like, who? Steven Sims Jr., 65 yard rushing touchdown. Welcome to the NFL, Steven Sims Jr. Uh, maybe he's been around for a while, but I, I haven't heard of him. And then uh, that was with nine minutes ago in the first quarter. And then the Patriots scored 33 on the and it wasn't like that easy because they're only up 12
1: 7 at the half, but they piled
2: it on, and it felt good. It felt good that. We didn't really have to sweat this.
1: Yeah, this was the biggest spread I think we've ever taken for a lock of the week at minus 16. So mm-hmm. you know, when the Redskins went up seven, nothing was a little nerve-wracking. I was in Austin this weekend. Colt McCoy's a legend there. So I was nervous when they announced he's a starter. He feels like the most competent guy at this point on that team. He's been on the team for a while now under Jay Gurd. And so I felt like, you know, he could pull some magic when he was, I think, a rookie on the Browns. They beat the Patriots as big dogs outright. So I was nervous that could happen again. Luckily, it didn't. I mean, the Patriots defense is just so good. I was, you know, had the game on, falling through red zone, looking on my phone. And I felt like anytime the Redskins were moving the ball slightly. It would be like, you know, first and 10 near midfield and then be like second and 20 Patriots was continuously getting pressure on him, sacking him, putting him in, you know, negative situations. And it was, it felt good. We're eight and two combined for their people who, might, people who might struggle at home. That's 80%. So it feels good to win. Um, like you said, last year was a rough one for me. So I'm happy to be on the right foot and you know, how do the Patriots get such an easy schedule every year?
2: Yeah, I, I mean that division is, as we know, it's it's terrible. There there are four easy wins, um, just between the Dolphins and the Jets. But like, they haven't played any. They haven't played anyone. Uh, I guess last week it was a close call versus Buffalo. They didn't cover. They didn't cover versus the Jets either. But they're just. They have like half a half a year of preseason. Uh, they play the Giants this upcoming Thursday night, so that should be semi interesting, but like No, it won't. Brady's Brady's gonna be able to do exactly what he did today. Three forty eight, uh, three touchdowns. Like they're just uh, Daniel Jones, uh, yeah, it's he's he's gonna be in for a bit of a tough one. Against this Minnesota Vikings, uh, front seven, he was getting pressured and put on his butt uh quite a bit. I think he's gonna have more of the same next week. I mean, McCoy was sacked six times. He completed sixty-six percent of his passes. Like I I really if at the beginning of the year, if you asked me if Colt McCoy was still in the NFL, I'd probably say no. Um, I know he played a little bit last year, but like just like yeah he's probably out of the league. But the fact that they chose Colt McCoy over Dwayne Haskins is a nightmare if you're a Redskins fan I I actually I feel
1: bad for you like that that team is beyond repair at this point they are so bad and there's just there's no direction with the team you know Ben is one of the worst owner in sports it just feels like they never have a plan and I was reading quotes after the game how uh, Gruden <laughs> yeah Gruden is probably gonna get fired maybe by the time this pod is released tomorrow um, yeah he's he's definitely on the hot seat But as reading quotes from players, I mean, I understand people are like positive going into the year, but they're saying like no one expected the team to be this bad. It's like, how come like there's no talent on this roster. The receiver they drafted from Ohio State's a nice rookie. But other than that, there's just no direction. It seems like they're like trying to maybe be competitive, but not fully like, you know, tanking, rebuilding. Like there's just no direction for this team year in, year out. They're terrible. Um, so I feel like we're going to have a few more locks of the week where uh, that involved the Redskins. Mm-hmm. I mean, if
2: you think about it, the way they started week one versus the Eagles, they were up big, and they had the backdoor cover late, and it was like, okay, maybe the Redskins are like better than we're giving them credit for with Case Keenum, and Case Keenum just kind of went downhill and... I don't think I realized how bad this defense was. And Jay Gruden's quotes after the game were quite sad. I think he said that's if he's going to keep his job and they're like, he's like, well, if my keys still work
1: tomorrow morning. Um, it, so that's that. That's dark. That's really dark. <laughs> he's, he's, he's staring into the tunnel. He knows, you know, he could see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I don't even think he's that lighter, bad of a... lighter a, darkness? Well, the light of... You see the light at the end of the tunnel, but this isn't a positive situation. Right. So I don't know. Right. He's he's yeah. staying in the tunnel, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I did. just put you in a pretzel. Yeah. Thank you. Did I, <laughs> I, I, I? don't even think he's that like awful of a coach. I just think the team is just so terrible and just not a situation set up to succeed. And one last point on the Redskins: like they brought in Case Keenum, they drafted Dwayne Haskins, and they they signed Alex Smith to a huge contract. Um, you know, a year or two ago, and he's heard He can't play. So, just like, what is their plan? They brought in a big, you know, acquisition at quarterback. He gets hurt. They bring in a veteran. They draft a rookie. It's like, what? Like, what are they trying to do? Yeah, so. T- Trent
2: Williams just not playing. It's a, <laughs> it's yeah. a dumpster. Fire. It's a dumpster fire there. But feels good that we could pick on a team like that, move to eight and two, and ideally, we, we keep this bad boy rolling. And you know what, Tyler? The fact, I actually just remembered this. Since our Lock of the Week hit, we're not giving out a free T-shirt because of this. So that's nice. Instead, Full Slate listeners, um,
1: we'll you, have to can buy go, it.
2: you can yeah, you
1: can support the pod and go buy our merch instead. Yep. So let's move on to the last part of the show. Grandpa Billy's bum the week. I'll get it started. I think this is an easy choice. It is. Mm. It's um, Cairo Santos, the Titans kicker. 0 for 4. Uh, kicking the field goal. 0-4 kicking field goals today. Brutal game for him. The Bills beat the Titans 14-7. to 7. He's been around for a while. He's a pretty decent kicker, but a uh, pretty awful game for him today. Uh, you know, he makes a couple of those games different, but it's brutal, and it feels like, you know, kickers are easy to pick on when they have games like this. Yeah, kickers are kind of... They're, They're like
2: it's... refs. Yeah, they're kind of like refs. They're just like a nice backup plan. Like, you know that anytime you need them, you're kind of grasping for straws, maybe on your grandpa Billy Bum of the Week. It's like, "Mm, there's probably a kicker somewhere that could be a nice little option here. And yeah, the Titans-Bills game, again, we we said we kind of like the Bills, but Titans, stay away, stay away, stay away. And this just felt like, The perfect way for that game to be played it was 0-0 till late in the second quarter 7-7 for a while um those two teams are like kind of like big 10 football like illinois northwestern like that feels like the comparison there to those two teams (laughs)
1: Yeah, <laughs> that—that's some comparison, um, but yeah, this game went as we would have expected. The Titans come off a great win last week versus uh, the Falcons on the road, and then they drop just an absolute dud at home. <laughs> like that's just who the I, Titans I, are. I, I hate that team so much. Yeah, they're—they're hate- Owen—they're two they're at home. Um, The Bills are, you know, on the road, like such strange teams,
2: (laughs) road warriors. The Bills just keep keep circling the wagon and Mariota just like last week as a monster week. But I guess this proves just how bad the Falcons are.
1: It does. And, you know, today, Mariota goes 13 of 22, 183 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, gets sacked five times. He's just he's so bad and. You, this is a real, I guess, like you said, this is a real inclination of how bad the Falcons are if he tore them up because at any time it, oh my God, what a play by Mahomes on Sunday night, but any time it feels like, <laughs> any times it feels like Mariota is like taking that step to the guy you thought he was a number, the number two pick, he just drops a game like this and you're like, he's, okay, he, he's, he's a backup, he's a backup, he's a backup. Yeah,
2: I'm excited to see Ryan Tannehill out there. He'll put together a couple of, of nice weeks. Um, but yeah, the if I could relegate one team from the NFL, I'm, I'm getting the Titans out of there. Um, but my grandpa Billy's bum of the week. I'm going. I'm going to Major League Baseball, Tyler. We haven't we haven't talked about it in a little bit. The playoffs are heating up. We had a wild wild card game. Um, I said wild twice there. It's tough uh, with the Nationals coming back and. My grandpa Billy's bum of the week is someone who I believe has won this award before, so he's a repeat winner. And you know what? I wouldn't be shocked if he wins again. Uh, And I'm going with Clayton Kershaw, um, ace pitcher of the Los Angeles Dodgers. God, he's so good, a lefty, Cy Youngs, this and that. But again, he lays another dud on the postseason stage, week t- or sorry, game two of that series versus the Nats. They could go up 2-0 and really just like put their foot down in that series. He had okay numbers, six innings, three earned runs, but gets out pitched by Strasburg at home in LA. And Tyler, his his career postseason numbers are just unbelievable. Um someone who is as amazing as Kershaw. It's incredible that it just is so much in his head. Going into that start on Friday, his career postseason ERA, if you have to guess, Tyler, over under uh, 4.25. I'm mm. going to say over. Yeah, it's slightly over 4.32. And in his last eight postseason games, he has a 4.66 ERA. And the Dodgers are 3-6 <laughs> and six in his last nine October appearances. It's just like absolutely insane the fact that this guy can be that good in the regular season consistently and also be consistently this bad in the in the postseason so Clayton Kershaw grandpa Billy's bum of the week and it feels good and the Nationals are up right now so let's uh let's go that's attitude.
1: I I talk a lot on this podcast, uh, rightfully so, about Kirk Cousins, you know, being terrible under pressure. Nothing makes me happier than this continuous Clayton Kershaw postseason track record of him pitching poorly. Like, you know, you look at his box score, like you mentioned, it doesn't look awful, but he gets outpitched at home in a game where they could just basically end the series. So it's like, you know, he has such high expectations because of how great he is in the regular season. But that's warranted when you have the track record he does and you have the regular season success you do. You have to match that in the postseason. And time after time, he doesn't. And you said he's the ace. I don't even think he's the I don't think <laughs> he's He's not the anymore. Ace. It's not Walker, anymore. Walker Bueller started game one. He's a stud. He pitched great. We just don't see that consistency from Kershaw. And he's had a point in his career where he's you know getting up there in age. He's been around a, a long time. He's gonna like his, you know, peak, he's probably past it, so I don't think we're gonna see a huge turnaround. And being Giants fans, it just gives me such great satisfaction that Madison Baumgarner is, you know, arguably the best postseason pitcher of all time and Kershaw can never match any of that.
2: Yeah, I mean as as
1: Giants fans, that's we we have to root for it at this point. Uh the nationals
2: against the Dodgers and Kershaw continues to give us great fodder. For these takes and content and he can't get out of his own head so we'll see if he even I mean there's a chance he doesn't get another uh, opportunity to prove the haters wrong you know which you know, you know or or he's lined up to pitch game five which is a beautiful
1: thing no you know what'll happen is he'll come into a game where they're already winning like out of the bullpen and they'll or or they'll be losing because this has happened in prior years where he comes out of the bullpen, but they're already winning or losing, and he like pitches okay, and then people are like, oh, you know his postseason, uh, you know missteps aren't as accurate as they look. Like, no, he's terrible. Game five versus the Astros in 2017, straightly comes to mind when he choked in that game. Like, you just can't rely on him. It's just it's as straight as that. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and it just.
2: I think a lot of stories in sports are overhyped, um, but th- this one is real um, and it's quite enjoyable for us. Uh, but, Tyler, I think that wraps up another edition of the Sunday Scaries Pod. Uh, um, we appreciate all our listeners and their support, and I uh, hope everyone's rooting for the 49ers tomorrow, minus three and a half.